You're listening to Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner. And on this episode, we're exceptionally happy to be talking to the star of Adventures in Babysitting, Hiding Out, Cousins, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, The Comeback Kids, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, and of course, the 1991 Die Hard in a Private School Teens Against Terrorists action classic Toy Soldiers. Uh, In fact, most of the interview is just all about Toy Soldiers, I'm such a huge fan of Toy Soldiers that to get to speak to uh, the one and only Keith Coogan uh, was an incredible delight. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. And just to let you know, this is one of the interviews that we're doing that pair very nicely with our father podcast, mother podcast. Uh, I know people say like sister show, but uh, the After Movie Diner podcast, which, which came first before Booth Talk, Um, But yes, the After Movie Diner podcast will be covering Toy Soldiers this week. So once you've listened to this interview, uh, head over and listen to us talk about Toy Soldiers. Or if you've already listened to us talking about Toy Soldiers, hello and welcome to the interview. That's right. Anyway, without further of my rambling, uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share, retweet, like, comment, tell your friends about Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner, and here is our interview with the one, the only, and the fantastically friendly Keith Coogan, star of Toy Soldiers! John, it's lovely. Is your are you? Is that how you go by, John? I go by John. Yes. Wonderful. Great to speak with you. Happy, uh, happy. Good. Good afternoon. Yeah. Happy New Year. I think we can still say Happy New Year. I know it's the eighth, but I think we can probably still say that and get away with it. <laughs> we we totally can. Um, my birthday's in a week on January thirteenth, and I'm far removed from really almost any holidays. Um. And I have friends that are Christmas or near Christmas or New Year's. One of my best friends is January 1st. And so I'm very happy. It's at least two weeks, you know, it's like two weeks after New Year's. So I get to celebrate separately. So happy New Year to you as well. Yeah, indeed. And happy birthday for next week, sir. So uh, I hope I hope you have a fantastic time. Um, for, first of all, thanks ever so much for doing this. Seriously, um, I've been a fan of Toy Soldiers and yourself for so long now. It's a real pleasure to get to talk to you. It really is, honestly. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Uh, I love Toy Soldiers, by the way. Totally one of, yeah, totally one of my favorites. <laughs> so good. I rewatched it. My wife and I rewatched it again recently. I, I, th- I think I end up watching it at least every year or at least every other year. Uh, and it was certainly one that when I bonded with my uh, movie friends at university uh, some years ago now, but we, we watched it and, and loved it as well. Uh, the acting's great across the entire cast. Yeah. Uh, it's just got a really great structure to it. Um, I love the soundtrack. I'm, I'm a sucker for those little like militaristic kind of brassy uh, melodic uh, kind of tunes. I, I think of, funny enough, I was talking to, believe it or not, Steve Gutenberg this morning, and I don't normally have days that are bookended by talking to <laughs> two people from the some goop. of my favorite movies. We but. love the goop. Me, me and my wife got to meet uh, meet Gutenberg about a year ago. Just uh, yeah, oh, nice. we love the goop. The goop's He's great. great. Um, but both the Police Academy and this movie have that that kind of soundtrack. You know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of little uh, brassy soundtrack. Oh, I think Aaron Horner did the uh, um, Police Academy, didn't he? 
Oh, did they? Uh, did he do both? Did I just Hornets. inadvertently stumble into that? So you're right, Robert Falk, who did Robert Falk, who did uh, or Folk, yes. I don't know how he says his name. He did Toy Soldiers, and you're right, he did Police Academy. Uh, he did Police Academy as well. So um, he did. That's fantastic. Okay, so how about that then? That I'm bookending my day with you and Gutenberg, and there is a, a, a Police Academy Toy Soldiers connection. Who knew? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. And the Foley artist, there's a Foley artist credited on Toy Soldiers. Okay. I think it says additional Foley or Foley. He is now the top Foley artist at Sony. Sony nice. is, of course, TriStar. Yes. And I believe Toy Soldiers is available for free on Crackle for those that want to go visit a 90s R-rated action totally fun piece i think it's so fun oh it, it is it's absolutely fantastic and uh you know both the both the younger cast in it and the adult cast um really sell it <laughs> and really sell the various different ensembles because there's sort of two ensembles playing against each other in a way there's the young kids and then the or teenagers and then the adult ensemble now obviously the adult ensemble are kind of separated a little bit ali ermi um uh denim elliott uh, uh um louis gossett jr and yeah yes, mason adams. all of the on arlie ermi mason adams Lou gossett jr andrew devoff oh, um, so good uh campion yeah uh they all uh pulled in a they were framing um, the kid's story, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. had to buy it. You had to buy it. And I know the director, Dan Petrie Jr., is a huge fan of Tom Clancy and like Hunt for Red October. Right. And, you know, uh, Red Storm Rising had come out. Um, so we wanted to keep the military. They went to the Pentagon and they got approval to use real equipment and real troops wow. for the storming of the school at the end. Um, and uh, it had that authentic, it had that uh, authenticity. Um, that uh, the kid story, we were innocent and having fun, and then these these adults come in. There's the thing, Lou, I think, led the charge on giving the same performance, whether it was tongue in cheek, whether you know, it's fun. It's just meant to be fun. Yeah. And he, you know, you take it seriously, but it's a popcorn movie. You don't have to go method actor on it or anything. Also, they didn't pull back on the action or the blood or, you know, blowing people's brains out. Or right. I love that it is a hard R-rated movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I do. I, I genuinely do. think it's awesome because I, I think that we're looking at a. I actually had a question further on down, but part of the fun of these 80s and 90s teen movies were that they were dangerous. They had violence. They had dark or even sexual subject matter. Um, it, you know, even if you look at stuff like... Uh, obviously, Sean and Will come from the Goonies and uh, um, Stand By Me. Both of those have kind of like a, a darkish subject matter, even though they're you know even younger in those movies. Um, and then this one, like you say, uh, had the violence and had some gore in it, and even has that. I know it's only audible, but a sex scene at the beginning, you know. <laughs> sure. I mean, we while we were filming it, we did call it uh, "Dead Poets Society meets Die Hard." Right. Uh, kids prep school gets taken over by terrorists, and sure. we all loved Die Hard. That is the model. That that's that you know score, the musical score, the um, uh, great night scenes where the school's all lit up and the spotlights are going. It feels that big action adventure uh, story. But with that light, you know, Dan Petrie Jr. wrote um, Beverly Hills Cop, 
and Turner and Hooch so he can do the action, but then also put in humor in there. And I was grateful to have one of the the comic because I come from the babysitting background. And I was stoked to be able to join, sit at the table with all the big boys, the drama actors, (laughs) because, you know, Billy Tepper's role um, was uh, dramatic and he had to cry and get, you know, beaten uh, on the back. And it was just very, um, very dramatic. And I was very grateful to have a nice, light and fluffy part within Snuffy was very rebellious and would like spit at the guards, but, but behind their back. He'd be the first to raise his hands and surrender. They point guns at him. And of course, <laughs> right. you don't say how ridiculous the whole plan is. But And he's just, you know, just like me, Snuffy is just uh, very glad to be a part of, of the uh, the plan and the adventure. <laughs> so when they were... He's car- happy to be there. Yeah, 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 totally. And, and, and obviously, I think you need um, each of the different types of characters to make a, a successful and satisfying group of friends um, that you uh, oh, portray sure. so well in the movie. And I was going to oh, ask, yeah. um, was it always intended that you sort of, each of you auditioned for specific parts, so you went in for like the comedy role, or did you all audition and then they kind of put you in those parts? Like, how did that, how did that uh, process go? From my experience, it was very specific, and I want to say... Most, I think Sean Astin, you know, very specifically is going up for Billy Tepper. Yeah. Uh, uh, Will Wheaton is going up for Joey Trotta. Uh, I'm going up for Snuffy. Um, uh, dozens and dozens and other kids in town. I say kids because we were all, you know, 18, 19, 20 at the time. Yeah. Um, said that they, you know, hundreds of, of young actors said they'd audition for it. And so I was grateful to get in early. Me and Lou Gossett had been booked. And, I, and then I got to turn around and sit behind the casting table with the casting director and the director and read the off-scene lines for all of the other auditions. And that included Sean uh, for Billy Tepper. And I was like, bring it. And he sure did. He brought it right uh, right in the room. It was also horrifying to sit behind because there'd be an actor that comes up and, you know, maybe they weren't too happy with what they saw and they'd leave the room and you'd see them take their picture and resume and toss it in the trash. Oh, no. And I was like, oh! Is that what happens when you leave the room? I was horrified. I never wanted to see. I've never done it since. I've never sat in casting since. No. But I love being able to see that process and uh, had a lot of fun. They wanted us to spend a night in the school. We did a, a week of rehearsal before filming. Nice. Okay. Just a small conference room where we did all the dramatic scenes with the kids trapped in the room. Just block it out and keep running it over and over. So when we're filming it, we're kind of could just do it really quickly without a lot of preparation. Yeah. Um, so we did the preparation before filming at the Days Inn, uh, just outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. And, um, you know, Sean Astin cried every time, every time you rehearse. It uh, really helped us, really helped us kind of move forward with it and, and bond us. Oh, and so they wanted us to go spend, so they ambush and go, hey, you're going to go spend the night at the school. And I go, is it what now? They go, yeah, under the school rules, you're going to spend the night, you know, like roomied up. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> they go, excuse me. They go, yeah, yeah, it's to build character and everything. And I go, nah, I don't need to spend the night in a school. This is a movie with helicopters and guns and explosions. <laughs> um, I don't like any surprises or like, hey, you have to go do that. And according to SAG rules, I get a five-star hotel. So I know the best in town is the days in. I'll be very comfortable watching HBO tonight. Thank you very much. Um, graciously, I'm not going to go do that. Thank you. So the other four main kids did. And I, they have adventures of what happened. They snuck out and did stuff at the school. I happily stayed in and watched cable. But okay. I told the director, I go, I don't think it's going to make my part any less 
he's also more likely to chicken out and not want to go on something. And maybe he gets, um, you know, not, he's not quite as cool in the eyes of the other four guys who are willing to take action. Right. So uh, I, I do like to do a little stuff in character, but that was also, um, one of the things they did. And then the bad guys got all rough, not rough, but they tried to scare us. Um, our hotel was about 40 minutes from the school location and one by one after filming, instead of taking the van, crew van back to the hotel, the bad guys, the terrorists would say, Hey, we'll give you a lift. You know, forget the van. We'll, we'll just give you a lift in our car. Like a Monte Carlo SS black. Right. <laughs> and they're all dressed in their terrorist outfits. And you're like, okay, sure. So one by one they did. And apparently the cast members were freaking out. They're like, this is, you know, stop. This is, you know, eh, just drop me off or whatever. And they got scared. Me, I hit the deck hands on my hands and knees a blubbering drool, you know, crying tears running down my face. Police don't kill me. And, uh, when they threatened me, cause they took us behind the school and said, get out of the car. And, um, I turned into a blubbering mess playing along. Yeah. And, uh, Andrew Devoff goes, get up. He goes, Keith, get up. And he broke character. And I go, okay. And he goes, we just wanted to know if you would play, like be willing to play ball. And I'm like, absolutely. Anytime. I'm scared to death of you guys. And um, <laughs> so they, they let off on me and were absolutely sweet. And to this day, we're really good friends with Andrew Devoff. We love, love Andy, as yeah. we call him. <laughs> oh, nice. That's fantastic. Um, so did you know any of the ensemble before working with them in Toy Soldiers? I mean, obviously, you were all contemporaries, but had your paths crossed sure. before? Um, uh, Will and Sean, I knew very well. Yeah. Just yeah. from the Just uh, from the circuit, basically, kind of auditions sure yeah uh i we had all auditioned me and will had auditioned for christmas story uh i'd auditioned for star trek he'd auditioned for this or that i auditioned for stand by me even um and of course sean and i go back to adam's family and his father and my grandfather working together as as a professor yeah 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 and so i knew him since childhood and uh that was old home Uh, me and sean used to make short films in our teens. Uh, he went to Crossroads School yeah. uh, in Santa Monica. I went to Santa Monica High School, the public school, and uh, he had all this great video equipment, editing equipment. So um, he, me and Sean and Mackenzie Aston, my best friend Gabe Jarrett, uh, Mitch from Real Genius, Jake Busey, we would all futz around with the video equipment. <laughs> oh, wow. There's some, there's some Blu-ray extras that you can one day release, I'm sure. <laughs> If any of you so still, there is a, there, you know, easy comfort and trust yes. because you know that they're professional, they're seasoned, you can absolutely trust them. And so we just had a blast and at, we were kids again. You know, I'd never really gone to college. I started working when I was very, very young, but then also forego. I graduated high school at 16 and worked as an adult since like Adventures in Babysitting. I was alone in Toronto yeah. shooting that. Uh, and turned 17 on the set. So um, it was fun to be a kid again and to kind of, you know, live that, oh, I'm in school, because I never really had that experience. So the the three of you then, sort of Sean, Will, and yourself, um, I've got to imagine, especially at this time, you'd uh, all had, like I say, kind of pivotal successes under your belt. Uh, You all found yourself uh, on on this set. I'm sure there was conversations, but were you discussing at that time about how you guys were all handling sort of fame or Hollywood or recognition or whatever you call it, um, and, and maybe discussing plans for the future and things? Sure. We just talked about Will and Sean's incredible success. 
and uh, my luck to be in a few babysitting movies. I mean, what do you do? You kind of not talk about it. Right. Because, you know, I think they're phenomenally sick. I know that we all love um, T.E. and uh, uh, George, George Perez and T.E. Russell um, for uh, Hank Giles and uh, uh, Ricardo. Uh, their characters were awesome. Um, I think I was roommates with Hank. You know, rule number one in a prep school is you wait till your roommate falls asleep before you. Never mind. Yeah, no, I know. Um, <laughs> did you know that the voice of the sex phone operator is the uh, wife of um, the director of Karate Kid and Rocky? Oh, really? Oh, Tracy Swope? Tracy Brooks Swope? I believe so. And she did it live in a van, a production van outside of the real boiler room. We were using a boiler room that was above ground, but it looked like it was below ground. Yeah. And it was a real building on the school. And for five days while we shot that sequence, three or four or five days, um, we shot all the basement stuff together. So it included the stuff at the end of the movie. Um, she sat in that van and, you know, played with us and improvised. And, uh, it's a lot of great, she was, she's one of the only female, this regrettably. Yeah. And this is why I think a new version of toy soldiers should be our daughters in school with a, uh, female headmaster mistress, um, is because it's not a very diverse movie. It's a boys escapist fantasy and it doesn't have any, there were female roles in the book right. that it was by that it was based off of, but they were excised because it felt like they were shoehorned in when you're trying to make a 90 minute action picture. And I regret that. I think that when they redo it, they should make it our daughters. The kid, the school gets uh, overtaken, but our daughters, um, we, we don't know it, so we go into Russia and save them, and we immediately get kidnapped, yeah, taken hostage. But our daughters had escaped into the woods. And they're living like Rambo, taking pot shots at the terrorists. So then they realize they have to come in and rescue their own dads. And Will Wheaton will not be reprising his role as Joey Trotta. But um, his father did have a twin, uh, another son, um, Jimmy Trotta, twin brother to Joey. And uh, he will come. uh, He's trying to avenge uh, his his brother's death. Joey didn't. Joey was ashamed by the whole mafia thing. Yes. Jimmy embraced the embraced mafia, it. so Joey didn't talk about him in yeah. Toy Soldiers. But we got to bring Will back, Sean's back, everybody, George, T.E., and uh, we're going to be victims and hostages. So, yeah, no, we were uh, having, while... we were going back and forth about this on Twitter, uh, myself and you, and I, I love the idea <laughs> of um, Will having a twin brother who you know, got embroiled in the mafia thing and therefore, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was, was distant from from Joey's uh, um, upbringing or whatever because he was far more into the uh, life of crime. But now in the sequel uh, is obviously trying to get out of the life of crime um, and uses this situation with his daughter and the school and now, everything. To now, some- I think this is brilliant that he leans into it and he's always leaned into it he is so embroiled in the mafia he's like got hit men on call yeah that they go let's call jimmy and they're like what really well his daughter's you know kidnapped so we or his niece his niece joey's daughter yeah so jimmy's niece is kidnapped so they go to him and they and because jerry orbach I, I will um spill some tea jerry orbach is uncredited in toy soldiers um he didn't understand the 
uh, or didn't agree with the, the tone or the comedy tone or the fact that it's a little tongue in cheek involving the mafia okay. in the you know in Toy Soldiers. Yeah. Um, he didn't, uh, and he took his name off of it, and I don't know whatever reason, but I huh. love his performance in it. I think it's great. You need that's exactly what you need. You need this is what you need from a mafia boss whose son is kidnapped. What kind of a kid gets himself, you know, accident killed with a machine gun? I love that line. Yeah, so it's, we it, have it feels like he's it. playing it seriously. I feel like I feel like most of the movie is played seriously. I don't think anyone's playing it goofy. Um I think the kids have their I I think he might Jerry might have been upset that he missed some opportunities had he known about how thrilling and kind of fun and you know it's just pop throw popcorn at the screen he might have given a broader performance or hammed it up more he did he took it absolutely deadly serious and maybe that's why i'm taking a guess as an actor for me i all i did was try to steal the scene anytime to get will to get sean uh, years of their success and my okay i had some success but come on so I just tried to steal the movie from them. That was my whole goal. It was great because it worked as a friendship level and it read on screen as I just annoy them all the time. It was great. And I was, I know you, I know you brought up them earlier. I, wa- I was going to ask about George Perez, T. Russell, and, and also Sean Phelan, who obviously plays uh, Derek in the film. Uh, this was very early in their respective careers comparatively to, to the three of you. Um, what was the dynamic there like? You all seem to have great chemistry, and was that born out of those like early rehearsals, or did you know each other, or where did that come from? Oh, early rehearsals and the van rides, the forty right. minutes van rides to set and back. Uh, that's how Sean got his name, his character name. Um, I think he's Derek in the film, but he uh, spilled yogurt on himself opening a yogurt, a yo play or something. And it popped all over him in the van on the way to set. He got it all over his shirt and he kept trying to get our attention. Hey guys, I got yogurt all over me. I got yogurt. Look at me. <laughs> like, we're like, we're like, Sean, if you mention the yogurt on you one more time, we're going to call you yogurt from now on, including like on in screen. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> and he said it one more time. And from that day forward, we started calling him yogurt. Uh, and it went into the script, and they changed his credit and changed his name. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan was always good. He sees something going on. He goes, I'm just going to turn the camera on and film it. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I didn't know that's where that came from. So, yeah, obviously on the, on IMDb, he's just listed as Derek. But, yeah, I forget in the movie he's called Yoga the whole time. Um, and in, and and, out, and outside of, obviously, Devoff trying to uh, scare the pants off you guys, um, what was it like working with, like I said, the adults? In the, so, obviously, Lewis Gossett Jr. works closest uh, with you guys. But, I mean, Denham Elliott, obviously, uh, a fellow Englishman like myself, um, or fellow British guy. I don't know whether he's necessarily exactly English, but British, certainly. Um, and uh, He's been in enough merchant ivory claptrap to qualify as, <laughs> right. as full. UK, he British. might be Irish actually. I'm, I don't know his lineage, but uh, oh, fantastic! Yes, you, well, you have to walk. You have to walk carefully with the whole British English thing because if you call someone English, they can get offended. There is a difference between the United Kingdom. There's a difference between Britain. There's a difference between England, and I, 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 I understand the difference. I, I couldn't name the exact differences, but I right. do know there is a huge difference. That's why I don't typically say I'm from America. Are we talking north, central, south? Where? Where? Are you yeah. from Canada? Where are you from? Um, so yes, the uh, 
fractured states of America. Uh, and the, the, the fractured states of England and Europe right now as well. So don't even, yeah. But I always try to stay out of politics because I'm just an actor. I love to just do movies. And, uh, you know, there's bad guys that say terrible things in movies. Um, and we love to see them get their retribution by Act 3. Indeed. Uh, so it's always neat. We always need storytellers and soothsayers and uh, magi in our tribes and our villages to kind of tell the tale of the hunt around the campfire. And I'm pretty sure that's my position in society. Uh, just tell the tale of the hunt. And uh, I always like to try to, I love to be foolish. I think people are, I am, I know I'm a fool. And so I love comedy. I love love uh, comedy bits. So even within this R-rated thingy, I was very glad to have more of a comic relief role. <laughs> and no, then definitely. turn that turn that butter a little bit more as we shot it <laughs> so a, 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 a quick question about denim elliott because i've noticed two things that oh, it, both, both in I'm, um uh indiana jones the last crusade but also in this movie at a certain point in the third act of the movie and i know that he liked to drink so uh this is not a, a new thing but in the third act of both movies he's kind of being given uh, whiskey in a flask, and I just wondered whether it was that because maybe he'd had a drink, or whether, or was that actually part of the script? I was just interested. Well, we gave him <laughs> mouthwash. I think we gave him some of the mouthwash in the basement. Yes. Um, uh, so, a couple of notes on that. He is Brody. He's right. always going to be Brody. Yes. And I and I I would like to pretend that he is in this movie. Right. I don't care what we call him, but he has a very similar speech as um the third indiana jones yeah the indiana jones uh uh well i know sean connery says the penny is mighty pen is mighty in the sword but it's a very brody like speech in toy soldiers when he's talking to the kids in the quad and he goes these ignore these guys around here but this and he holds up a book and he goes this you know will be around long after these guys are gone yeah um so i think he's very brody like and and you I'm just blown away, of course, by the merchandise retype films he'd done, but forget on the set that he's Indiana, you know, Indiana Jones. You just right, kind right. of forget. You go classic British actor. You're already at your top A game, and there's a gag of him doing the drink, and I'm so happy to be involved in it. I don't have a lot of dialogue with him, but I get to be involved and him doing a double take. Fantastic old school vaudeville style silent film. Big double take. And I was so pleased because that's me, you know, my grandfather's kind of style of humor. Um, so I just love that. Much respect. And Andrew Devoff would not let us get away with a take. He would cut if we weren't scared enough of him on screen. <laughs> he goes, all right, I have to buy it, especially when I'm having like my asthma attack. He's standing over me and he goes, if I don't believe you, I will cut this scene. <laughs> right. So it's very, he never cut. And I triggered, um, they were showing dailies and our producer's assistant, um, she is asthmatic and she said she had to leave the screening, the dailies, because she had triggered an asthma attack. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I know, yeah. terrible. She's like, it just gave her anxiety watching it. And um, yeah. I get it. I was asthmatic growing up, so when I first saw the movie, uh, I definitely uh, knew what it felt like. Uh, touch wood, it hasn't, as an adult, bothered me too much. But uh. I had to, I wrestled with whether Snuffy had ever had an asthma attack. I know that he says he has allergies, and the makeup artist, we put red eyeliner on my eyes throughout the movie so that it always looks like I had kind of like a sniffly, snuffly thing going on. Yeah. And this I sneezed 27 times in the movie. Um that uh 
I don't know. I think he uses an excuse to get out of physical activity or PE or anything. Oh, I'm sick. I can't. Yeah. And I don't know that he ever really has allergies or I mean, he might, but he, I don't think he's ever had an out. So when he's having his asthma attack, I don't, I didn't feel the need for him to be totally accurate to an asthma attack. No, he's doing what he thinks an asthma attack is because he's always faked him every once in a while when he needed to get out of trouble. <laughs> right. And, and who's the kind of person who's going to say to a kid, you're not really having an asthma attack, you know, run out on the field. Everyone's going to try and at least be empathetic, one would hope. What was the chatter around the killing of Will Wheaton's character? Because obviously, oh. in most movies... But even back then and now, you would probably cut away. You would understand it, but you would cut away. In this one, they make the the point of really showing it. I don't mind that. I think it's part of the authenticity of the movie. Is as even though yes, it is a boy's own fantasy. But you know what I mean. It's part of the R rating. It's part of the authenticity of the movie. It's part of how they've set it up, um, especially with the opening, throwing someone out of a courthouse window. You know, the movie starts that way. It needs to continue that oh, way. Yeah. Um, but what's what was the talk around that? Was there discussion about it? Was there let's shoot it one way, let's shoot it another way, or were you always gung ho for for that to be the way that it would end up on screen? Oh yeah, there was no debate on whether or not it was going to happen. Um, I think post I I think about it now, and I, it's a great story point because uh, the whole movie, the audience will question, why don't they just do this? Why don't they just you know quickly take arms and take over the school? And and it's not an anti-violent. It's not saying oh. Picking up guns, you know, isn't right for the situation. It may be, but not without proper planning. And the whole point is Billy Tepper has to get the information out, give the you know Pentagon the time to organize an attack and all that other stuff. So it's a great subtle kind of way of saying, well, we just need a little planning and then we can do this. Um, and it kills. It shows stakes. It, yeah. it, it in Indiana Jones, they quote unquote kill off Marion. You think she's gone when the truck explodes. Yeah. Um, and here, you know, it's sad. It's like Joey. And then you're like, well, we've now clearly entered the you know third act, and Billy's at it. He's like, there's nothing to lose now. Joey's gone. Um, let's do this. Let's do the plan. And he agrees to send the information and send the signal, and take over the school the next day. Yeah, um, and it doesn't it doesn't other. ever have it doesn't ever have that point of the kids suddenly, like you say, taking up arms and suddenly being Rambo. Like it's it's the kids are still kids. They are who they are and they can do what they can do. They can plan, they can draw, they can run, they can you know, talk back, they can figure out science stuff, but they're not fighters and they shouldn't be. I think if the movie had ended with you, all you guys like upping arms and taking over the school yourself, it would have been, that would have been ridiculous and, and against the reality again of the movie. So I love, I mean, I love that. It, yeah. I love that it's part of the story plot. I obviously don't like it that it happens, but sure. <laughs> sure. It takes, you know, you couldn't have Billy Tepper pick up the gun and shoot. Louis Galley, you had yeah. to have um, Dean, the Dean do it. Lou Gossett takes one yeah. and gives one. And yeah. a fantastic, you know, forehead shot, great makeup effects. And, they, you know, you couldn't have the kids actually do that. No. Uh, I don't think. I don't think. No, and it's the part of The parents are there. They're going to protect you. Yeah. No, I was going to say, it's part of the nuance of the script. If, if you, um, you would have got into dangerous waters if you were like, and again, I'm not getting political, but if you you could have gone into dangerous waters, and anyone who looks at this movie is just being like, "Oh, it's a school shooting movie," it's not at all. Like, and that scene, uh, uh, I think, sells that. 
then it's not a school shooting movie. Correct. It is a mentor movie. It's yeah. about Lou Gossett trying to mentor a troubled student, Billy Tepper, help him make better decisions. Uh, he shields him from any sort of prosecution with the alcohol. Right. He goes, all right, well, he kind of blackmails the local sheriff. He's like, well, your cousin's the one that sold it to him at the liquor store. And he shields him. But he goes, that doesn't mean you're free of repercussions. You're now under my wing and you've got to do pots and pans and, you know, pots and pans, man. <laughs> and so it's personal. It's that all government is local and it takes mentorship. It takes good community leadership and, um, you know, a good dean, I think. That's, you know, he's such a hero. Oh, and yeah. Lou personally was a hero on the set because he gave it no less than officer and a gentleman focus. Um, regardless if the paycheck is bigger or smaller, it didn't matter what set he's on. He's going to give his A game. And it was a great lesson to reaffirm to me and Sean and Will. And it was a great lesson for uh, Sean Phelan and George and TE to see that and to see that demonstrated on set. You're like, Dang, you know, he brings it no matter whether it's an R-rated, you know, popcorn movie for kids. Kind of for, I don't know. It really we cut our audience out by making it R-rated and uh, it made its money back. That was it. It was like 20 mil, 20 mil, something like that. But I think that it's it I I love that it is played seriously within its own uh, um, yes. setup. It's not. <laughs> I think very often, if you play an escapist movie in a way that it doesn't matter, it ceases to be a good movie. If everyone on set is just like, ah, this doesn't matter. It's a popcorn movie. Let's just do whatever. It, it that doesn't make a good movie. What makes a good movie is buying into the whatever the setup yes. is, and then and the premise is right there on the poster. Yeah, years of bad behavior about to pay off. Right, and that moment in the tent. When Lou Gossett goes, well, no, you don't know these students. I know them, <laughs> and I know what they'll do. Right. Uh, uh, it's a great moment because the audience realizes what's been a detriment for their characters and their fatal flaw is about to be turned into the asset that's going to win the picture and the situation. Yeah. And as soon as the parents kind of get on board and support the kids in this and go, actually, if we listen to our kids a little bit, we could do this. Yeah, um, it's a great moment because now the audience goes, "Ooh, I know what the plan is. Let's see if they pull it off." And we've all we've raised the stakes. We've killed Joey. It's it's very well structured. And you know, frankly, Dan Petrie Jr. being a script doctor, uh, dialogue doctor, dialogue editor, sto- structure story specialist, he knows exactly where and he, and it gives freedom. Yeah, you know, he'd originally written Beverly Hills Cop for Sylvester Stallone, and it was given just a few weeks to redo it for Eddie Murphy. And he knew that even if they improv for two minutes in this scene, story-wise or structurally, it still works. Yes. No matter what happens in this scene. Um, And he just hit all of those great signposts in a popcorn action movie. Um, Has all the sentiments of the 90s right there on its sleeves. And it really is a hard R 80s type picture, totally honoring Die Hard. Yeah. Um, favorite is the shoulder arm missile that hits the police car. They fire it <laughs> yeah. from bell tower to warn off the local police. Like, yeah, now we're making an action picture. That was the first thing they blew up on set. Nice to have continuity so that that car was always there and the in rest the of the shots. Yeah, yeah. 
And so we were joking around, as I said, online a little bit, and we've talked about it today, um, about this idea of a sequel, which I, by the way, I love, and I would, I would happily sit with you and and talk about it forever. But, um, is there any actual, like, real conversations of any serious discussions ever taken place about something like this? I've seen a press release that um, Sony TriStar intends to uh, redo it with uh, Queen Latifah as the headmistress. This is all I've heard. And based on that, I surmised a story that would really work with that. Yes. Um, But, you know, they're going to have absolutely their own take on it. It could be a complete redo uh, or, you know, they don't need to connect it. Um, uh, and it's time to, you know, absolutely do tell the girls side of the story. Definitely. They're going to solve the problem a little, maybe a little differently than the boys. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm a big fan of action movies from the eighties and nineties, and there are female driven, uh, action movies of the eighties and nineties, but they're few and far between sadly. And, uh, th- for whatever reason, Hollywood was just not ready to necessarily do a lot of female centric action back then. And, no. and that's, the and they did all, one, but. You know, yeah, they always tended to be victimized quickly, like point of no return, um, uh, the professional. Uh, you had to victimize the female lead before they turned into an empowered lead. They tried an empowered lead with um, Angelina Jolie in Tomb Raider, but it seemed like they didn't like her starting point. They wanted to see her more climb to attain that kind of power position. In It's dramatic structure. A rags to riches kind of a thing and you want to see a low power character become enabled and you know become a high power character but then the argument could be that indiana jones doesn't change much he's right. already a pretty high powered character has all his skills at the beginning maybe he learns a little humility by the end and learns to believe in something beyond just you know what he can dig up uh, we don't question any of that stuff with toy soldiers it's just as long as they keep it fun popcorn you know there are certain things that they're not going to have terrorists cross the u.s border killing border patrol to get up to the school and then take children hostage that's that um trope isn't really allowed we don't do that we don't take kids hostage anymore in film i think james cameron was was already post commentating on it commenting on it with true lies when he hung eliza dushku off of f-16 yeah um that was a tongue-in-cheek thing saying hey remember when this is actually shocking and you guys politically correct changed it so that we don't do this anymore it got bad in the 80s it had latchkey children reaganomics both parents were working and the kids were up to their own adventures after school until the parents got home so they're riding their bikes in the woods and having fun and so you got things like et and stand by me uh babysitting and goonies where there's the parents aren't really around um and we changed that in the 90s now we're starting to put leashes on kids and not letting them walk to school anymore. Uh, reports of, you know, 14-year-olds getting busted in the subway in New York on their way to school because there's no parents with them. It's like, I was able to walk to school at 8. How did that, when did that change? And it changed on screen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see their new take on on Toy Soldiers. I would love to see it. Yeah, me too, definitely. And has there been any talk of uh, either a special edition Blu-ray or a reunion for the 30th anniversary, which is this year, believe it or not? Um, have I seen a... Uh, I, no, uh, and I am absolutely going to celebrate the 30 year for Toy Soldiers this year. Did it come out in October? When did it come out? October, yes. It came out October, October. of 91, yeah. 
fantastic so uh yeah 30 year we'll have to do a zoom with the will and sean and george and te and uh all the gang and uh tell our stories from the set you know yeah so i've actually i've actually reached out i contacted all of their reps that i could find um and i reached out to them on twitter and and will continue to do so because i thought that if there isn't anything official we could at least have some really great interviews we could put together into something and i think we've had a great conversation about it but lovely to get everyone's point of view if that's even possible i did it i loved it totally had fun and um you know, you can use my name when when asking for sure. I don't know if that'll help, but you no, know, we're all still very good friends. Well, that's awesome, Keith, and uh, thank you so much uh, for chatting, Toy Soldiers, with me today. Um, I I don't know if there's anything that distinguishes toy soldier fans from your adventures in babysitting or don't tell mom the babysitter's dead fans because i think we we probably cross over i love those movies too but toy soldiers for me it's just it's 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 just one of those and i love to celebrate the ones that maybe um the fans would want a reunion but maybe people aren't clamoring for it in the way that they would clamor for like cobra kai or whatever but i i would watch a toy soldiers tv show you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that uh well that's great I, I i love to hear that uh i know that i had a blast total blast doing it and um i'm glad it lives on the full frame version that is available on dvd there may have been a blu-ray maybe internationally released um uh don't be put off by it it's a great picture quality it's got some great grain on it uh, and it says it's in like four three Academy ratio, which is full frame. And you go, well, wait a second. Where's the like one eight five or the regular widescreen version? And I'll tell you that nothing is missing from the picture in the full sc- uh, frame. They've actually opened the mag box. We uh, shot it on Super thirty five, and they would mat it for projection. So the print actually includes room above and below the frame. So left and right, nothing's cut off on this full-frame version of the DVD or the Blu-ray that's out now. Um, What is is extra is exposed, leaving um, tape marks on the floor for the actor's feet and boom mics visible in the top. So you never saw that when the film was broadcast on you know TV. Well, yeah. you might have on the older regular square TVs. But um, in the theaters, you never saw it. But in the home version, you will spot a few mistakes like that because they've actually opened up the frame. So I encourage people to get that version and watch it. Yeah, I have, I, have, little, little things. I have the 4.3 DVD. The, the, I have that one. But I actually watched it this time on Vudu. Um, and the Voodoo was a lovely, crisp, uh, I mean, it, it, it wasn't widescreen with like the black bars or whatever, but it was, it was widescreen. It filled my, you know, 60 inch screen and, uh, was lovely and crisp and so on. And I think the Blu-ray that was released, I want to say two years ago, maybe three years ago now, I have by Warner Brothers. I think that was, um, widescreen eventually 185 185. i Um, I think you're right too and that also was a beautiful picture but but yeah um it needs a special edition and uh like i say if anyone's out there asking for uh fans who want to do any behind the scenes stuff (laughs) i'm i'm readily (laughs) they had a screening (laughs) they had a screening for a print at sony because they had rescanned it to 4k and redid the sound oh wow sony dynamic sound and they had a small. They have um, a group of theaters under the Irving Thalberg Building, small twenty, thirty seat screening yeah. rooms. And um, the uh, it just 
looked and sounded fantastic, like it was shot today. Yeah. Um, stop, shot by Tim Burston, who I also worked with on the Cheetah in right. Africa. And he is a miracle worker with an Aeroflex, I'll tell you. Yeah, no, the movie looked like a million dollars when I watched it. I thought it was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's just a very, very well-made, well-acted, fun-as-all-hell movie <laughs> um, that I think is just, it's just, it's acted completely correctly um, and, and just has a great, great cast. And, you know, uh, is, is, is escapist and boy zone and everything we've talked about today, but, uh, uh, and I agree with you. It could it could certainly do with a feminine presence, but um, you know, at least the the cast is diverse in terms of the group of kids is is a diverse group of kids, and uh, you know, you've got Lewis Gossett Jr. and Denham Elliott and Andrew Devar, all from different you know a diverse cast there. So uh, uh, and and even a little bit of message like we talked about with the uh, you know believe your kids and and trust your kids a little bit and. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's got a bit of everything for everybody, and I'm going to keep uh, championing it throughout this year. So thanks ever so much, Keith. Um, happy 30th anniversary. Happy birthday for next week. And uh, oh, thank you. All the very best to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the time, John. You have a good one, and uh, stay well. So that was my interview with Keith Coogan, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, we really got into every nook and cranny of Toy Soldiers there and enjoyed it immensely. Like I said at the beginning, we are also covering the film, doing a review of it and a conversation around the subject matter of the movie on our main podcast, uh, the After Movie Diner podcast. So please don't forget to uh, subscribe, rate and review, like, comment, retweet, share, tell your friends all that good stuff about the After Movie Diner, about AfterMovieDiner.com, and about Booth Talk, the interview show from the After Movie Diner. So uh, thanks again to our guest, Keith Coogan, um, and we will be back next time with The Gutenberg. Look forward to that. Yeah.